If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, just for a few moments to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Anyone not have a fill in the answer sheet, uh, it's uh, put inside of each of the bulletins. Uh, if you came in and didn't get one, slip your hand up. We've got ushers that will get you one. It'll just help you take notes a little bit quicker. Thank you so much. All right, all right. Sound booth maybe, maybe need a couple. Good, good. Thank you so much. All right, we're in Matthew chapter number 16, if you will, tonight. And of course, in some of these studies, there's, there's no way we're going to cover everything that could be covered. Uh, we just did not want to spend eight weeks on one of the world religions. We just wanted to kind of give it an overview. And I'm sure many of you have some things like, you know, you could have added this and added this. We're not here tonight to um, try to slam uh, a belief or slam uh, a religion. Uh, many, many people who are a part of these religions would not even know that's the doctrine of their church. Uh, many folks are what we would call nominal uh, in their religion. Perhaps they went to Catholic church till age 12. They got confirmed, never went back, and they couldn't tell you the history of the church. They couldn't tell you uh, what their belief is on this or this. All they know is they went and they had to go and when their parents said they didn't have to go anymore, they stopped going. How many of you were like that uh, at church at some time? Hey, look at this. And uh, usually it's after what we call confirmation. So once you've been confirmed, it's like, all right, you're going to heaven now. It's settled. You don't have to go back. And they don't go back, many of them. And then some of us know some people that are very, very devout in their religion Though the religion may not be biblical, their heart, they are very sincere. And uh, so we cannot judge a whole religion and say no one that attends these services are saved. Amen. Because salvation's individual. There are some people that do get saved and never leave their church they grew up in because of security, uh, because of ridicule or persecution. And in some cases, they feel like, well, if I leave this, uh, 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 leave this church I was raised in, I've turned my back on all of my relatives. I've turned my back on all of our history. So I get it. I see why some people would not. And so let's never make a blanket statement. If someone is a this or a Methodist or a Catholic, uh, they're not going to... No, that's not what the Bible says. If they've accepted Christ, no matter what label... No matter what building they walk into occasionally, they're saved. Amen. And so just wanted to say that, just, uh, just kind of get that out there. Uh, through history, our, our country was very concerned back in the early 60s. For the very first time, we had a president or a presidential candidate running who was from a Catholic church. And his name was John Kennedy. And uh, people were very, very concerned about that because they knew the history of the Catholic Church, that they had persecuted so many religions and persecuted the Bible and so forth. And then today we have a president who is also Catholic, President Biden. And then we have someone named Nancy Pelosi that's also a Catholic. And we could go on and on and on. So um, let's just uh, pray and we'll just get right into some of this history here. If you have a question, jot it down, and we'll try to answer that at some other time. Father, bless now this brief time. We put a lot of time into this. We pray that you would help us 
as we do study tonight thy word and know what we believe and why. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text verse, here we are. We read it maybe last week, Matthew 16, and looking down into verse number 18. And Jesus is looking at the disciples, and here's what he says. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now look up here in verse uh, number uh, 15. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. Christ means anointed or the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now verse 18, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. There's two different uh, views on the meaning of that. Uh, one is when, when he asked Peter, who do you say I am? He said, you're the, the Christ, the Savior. You're the anointed one, the one that's supposed to come. You're the Messiah. Uh, 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 you're the Son of God. You're God. So when, when Jesus said, upon this rock, he could have said, upon that statement, I'm building my church. That's the rock of the church I'm building. I am Christ. I am God. I am the Savior. And then others say he did it this way. He said, you are Peter, a little stone, Petra, uh, 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 a little pebble, if you will, uh, from the Flintstones, pebbles. Uh, Anyway, but uh, uh, you're a little stone, but upon this rock, I will build my church. I would not argue with either one. Both are great. And so all I know is this, Jesus founded his church, not upon a man, but upon himself. And so with that in mind, let me just give you some of these blanks and we'll show you some slides in just a moment here. So uh, the founder of the Roman Catholic Church, this is historical, this is not something I made up. His name was Constantine. Constantine, uh, basically, we believe it was 313 AD. So 300 years after Jesus, this church was started. Jesus started a church on the seashores of Galilee that had been going on for 300 years before this church got started here. It was a split. It split Constantinople. You've heard that famous uh, town. Uh, That's where the Greek Orthodox church was. You'll meet some people were Greek Orthodox, others. And then in Rome was the headquarters of the Roman Catholic Church. So, so there was a division, long story, you can study it, but both, both are from the same. Now, who's ever heard this statement? The Roman Catholic Church is the mother church. Who's ever heard that? All right, just fill that in in your notes, because it's true. It is the mother church. So let's take our Bibles for a moment and look to Revelation chapter 17. Someone says, I never thought I'd hear in a Christian church that the Roman Catholic Church is the mother church. So look here in Revelation 17, and let's see it here. We'll look at uh, just several verses. This is God talking about the world religion, and uh, this is during the tribulation after we're up in heaven. But notice these key verses just real quickly here, uh, and you want to look at it, Revelation 17. And it says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, And talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. 
that sitteth upon many waters. Many waters means uh, many, many lands, the waters, the oceans that connect all the different continents. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, spiritual adultery, unfaithful to salvation in the Bible, a different salvation, a works religion, if you will. And then he says, uh, verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy. We'll tell you what those names are in a few moments. Having seven heads and ten horns, complete power, ten nations. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. She was very rich, a very rich religion, very wealthy. Sounds like the Baptist, doesn't it? You know what the Baptist uh, 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 foundation is? Here's the quote. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Yeah, 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 that's the Baptist one there. And then verse number uh, four, uh, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. Verse five, upon her forehead was a name written, mystery. Babylon, ties to Babylon. We'll get into that in just a moment. Mysterious. A church where you walk into and you say, what are they doing? What's this mean? That's eerie. I don't understand. It's in Latin. Why are they having services hundreds of years in Latin? And we live in America. And, I mean, the whole service is in language. None of us understand. What's, what is this? And what's the little booth? You have to walk in a booth and... Talk to someone you can't see. And what is that they're putting in my mouth? And it just smoke. And what are these candles for? What are all these? Jesus is dead on the cross. What are all these? That, it's, it's a mystery religion. But notice it says mystery Babylon. That's where the roots are. The great. Then look at it. It says here's the mother church. The mother of harlots. So it is the mother church. The mother of harlots. This is referring to the Roman Catholic Church in the book of Revelation. You say, what do you mean, mother? The Catholic Church mothered many religions that are much like the mother. A lot of ritual, a works religion, wealthy religions. We could name many. Uh, many of their priests, their collars on backwards, just like in the Roman Catholic Church. Many of the same traditions infant baptism. Uh, many churches here in town, they baptize the babies. It's a works religion, so forth. And then he says, verse number six, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Historical documentation, 68 million martyrs the Catholic church has killed. 68 million. That's historic fact. That's the church that martyred the Christians. Then look in verse 9. How do we know which church this is? And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. There's one city called the city of seven hills or seven mountains. It starts with R and ends with Om. It's the city of Rome. And so this is painting this picture of this mystery religion. 
Let's look at a couple of pictures, Paul. We've got just a couple here, and then we'll kind of get going here. It is a works religion, the mother of harlots. Here's Catholic in your notes if you want to write this down. It means universal church. Universal church. Next one, whenever that one can come up. Okay, so we... So a lot of these mysteries, that's in the Vatican. How many of you have been to the Vatican at some time? I've been there. And uh, just, just a lot of wealth, a lot of gold, a lot of things there. Uh, next, uh, that's, that's the cathedral at Notre Dame. Just a, uh, it doesn't quite look like a storefront Baptist church starting out, does it? Uh, just very, very wealthy and, and so forth. And then we'll, we'll just hold it there for a moment. Can we get the lights again? Uh, just keep it there for a second. So Mother Church. It is a works religion. Next, uh, just give you all these blanks quickly. Simon Peter was not the first pope. Sometimes we'll hear, yeah, he was the first pope. Say, how do we know? He had a mother-in-law. Scripture said Jesus raised Simon Peter's mother-in-law, his wife's mother. That's when Simon got bitter at Jesus the rest of his life. You'll get it later. Raised his mother-in-law. And uh, next, uh, Jesus built his church upon himself. Next, Catholic means universal. That's what the word means. So universal, what's it mean? It has included all other religions. Come be a part of us. Bring who you are. You don't have to denounce it. Don't have to leave it to come join it. Bring it with you. And so Catholic is a blend of Christianity and the word and paganism. And paganism. Uh, we'll see in just a few minutes uh, different statues that are in the Vatican. Uh, here's uh, uh, naked man, naked man, naked man, naked man, naked man, naked woman, uh, naked uh, uh, statue, uh, uh, a skull with snakes coming out of it, uh, Zeus, uh, the Egyptian God. You see, all these false gods from other religions, guess where they are? They're in the Vatican. Their statue, it's, it's showing we are, we are a one world, a universal church. Just uh, we'll add whatever you believe to us as long as you're a part of us. And that's where that comes in. So let's talk just quickly on some major errors on this. Major errors. We have number one, human tradition above the Bible. Human tradition above the Bible. If you want to turn back to Colossians just for a moment, you can you have to be quick. And I'll just read one verse here. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So this is a religion that has a lot of traditions that are just not based on the Bible. Where did this come from? Tradition. How about this? It's tradition. Then I want to give you another one in Matthew 15, if you want to look at it. But Matthew 15, if you would, in verse number 3. So Jesus is speaking here, Matthew 15, and verse number 3. And it says, uh, here it is. He, he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tra tradition? Tradition, verse 6. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. 
And he goes on and on and on in that statement there. Tradition above the Bible. It was in 1229 at the Council of Toulouse that they made a decision. The common people cannot understand the Bible. It's too hard. They're going to misunderstand it. So we're now going to withhold the Bible from them. No longer can they have a Bible. See, our Bible says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Preach the word. Be God wanted everyone to have a Bible, and, and so it was withheld. And that's why you meet a lot of people in this religion, and they'll say, man, we don't even have a Bible. Or it's in the drawer somewhere. It's not encouraged to read it. Why? They may find error with what they're being taught. Don't read it. Keep them in dark. That's what we call the dark ages that were kept in the dark. Quickly, here's another one. Number two, the wrong gospel. The wrong gospel. We see in 1 Corinthians 15 what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll read it. And it's just landmark passage. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which we also have received, wherein ye stand. Well, uh, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which was also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And then in Galatians, you can look at that later. Paul says, if an angel comes down from heaven and tells you it's a work salvation, he's accursed. Uh, he... He ought to be accursed. Uh, so so, so uh, Paul is dealing with this thing of the gospel. It's always been the good news. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, rose again. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's always been that. So they have the wrong gospel. Number three, confessing sin to a priest. Confessing sin to a priest. That's the canon law. That was 870 and 888. That's when they came up with that. But look, if you will, just for a moment, and Mark, and uh, we'll give you some other things in a second. We have a few more pictures. But Mark 2, and we see, looking down in verse uh, number 5, I believe it is. Uh, Mark 2 and verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, uh, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were certain scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Yeah, and that's, that's a great statement. Who can forgive sins? God only. And so now we have confessing to a priest. 1 Timothy 2.5 need not turn there, but it says uh, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Here's a quote out of the uh, catechism book. The priest has power to forgive sin. And once a year... Confession is needed for salvation. So there you are. You got to go to confession once a year or you're not saved. And the priest now has power to forgive sins. Again, just brought up. That's not in the Bible. Number four, I believe it is, priests. Just priests in general. All believers now are priests. The Bible says in Revelation 1.6, He hath made us kings and Priest. So if anyone asks you, uh, so, so what do you do for a living? Just say, I'm a priest now. What? 
Yeah, I became a priest. <laughs> when was this? Well, when I got born into God's family. And so we are now, uh, we need no intercessor. We don't have to go through anybody. Don't have to pay anybody. Don't have to confess to anybody. You can go directly to your heavenly father. You say, well, who do you pray to? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Yes. The answer is yes. Any of the three or all three of the three will get you there. It's great. And so then in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 5 and 9, he says, uh, we're, uh, we're, in, uh, uh, we're a priesthood of believers. So it keeps using those words. Number five, celibacy. Fancy word just means they can't get married. That's the nuns or the priests. So we see in 1 Timothy 3, 2, the, the bishop or the elder, the pastor, is to be the husband of one wife. So God allows a preacher or a church leader to be married. In Genesis 2.18, it's not good for a man to be alone. He encourages a man to marry. So this thing of celibacy. Let's look at 1 Timothy just for a second if you have it. 1 Timothy 4, Paul is talking to uh, 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 Timothy and he's saying to be careful here. So we see in 4, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 through 3. I'm trying to hasten. We're getting there. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Notice what they're going to tell people. These people who have doctrines of devils. Verse 3, forbidding to marry. And look at this one. And commanding to abstain from meats. How many of you are old enough to remember you couldn't eat meat on Friday? You remember that? Catholic Church, you cannot eat meat on Friday. So in our public school, we had fish sticks. Is not fish sticks meat? And I remember all those kids at the table, oh, we can't eat this. We're Catholic. I'd say, just put it on my plate right here. And I had just stacks of fish sticks. Just, man, I love Fridays. It was just great. So celibacy. Can a, anyway, number six, confirmation. What is confirmation? It simply means laying hands on to confer the Holy Ghost upon. So when a kid goes through confirmation classes in the Catholic Church, at the end, they lay hands on them that makes the Holy Spirit come inside of them. Confirmation. Now you're going to help. You finish the classes, you're confirmed. And that's straight out of the confirmation book that I just read. It confers the Holy Spirit upon or in them. So why not quit going to church once you got heaven? Well, I'm not going back. I'm confirmed now. So confirmation. That is not in the Bible. Acts 13.3, when the apostles laid hands on people, they were sending them out to be missionaries. You've seen us do that when we've ordained some people. They're going to be missionaries to start churches. We've had prayer, laid our hands on them. We said, they believe like us. Now, go do it. And that's what that deals with, not not 12-year-old kids. Number seven, quickly, extreme unction. That's deathbed experience, if you want to write that down, deathbed. So they actually teach at the end of your life, if you've not been baptized, you never accepted Christ, 
If you didn't live a good life, a priest can come to the deathbed of someone and forgive the sins at the last minute. Back up just a little bit here. Let's give you a little history of Constantine. So Constantine actually believed. He didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. But he saw these Christians and the power that they had. He saw them stand up to Rome. He saw their lives changed and their joy. So he said, I want to become a Christian. And somehow the way he thought it was, he thought you become a Christian by being baptized. So then he figured, well, what do you do about your sins after you're baptized? He couldn't figure it out, so he decided, I'll get baptized at the very last. At the very last. And so he waited till he almost died to get baptized. Then he made a law. He said, you know, probably the sooner the better, so let's make a law for babies to be baptized. See how it's starting to go from there. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get on some other things in just a m- moment here. So extreme unction. We had a man in our church years ago. He brought his son to our church. I still remember his name. His son accepted Christ. I think he was maybe 12 years of age. Him and his wife split up. His wife took the son to another church in town. Had a strange disease, ended up passing away. Accepted Christ as Savior. The dad rushes to the bedside as his son is passing. The priest is there. He said, we got it all covered. I got here just in time to forgive all his sins. The dad was pretty upset because he knew the truth that his son had accepted Christ. And his son was in heaven, not because some priest got there at the last minute and said some special words. It wasn't the priest. It was the blood of Christ. So is there, is there such thing as uh, 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 there's deathbed repentance. People can get saved at the last moment, but it has nothing to do with someone forgiving them. Here's another one quickly. Number eight, infant baptism. Infant baptism. This is a quote from the catechism book. What does it do? It frees them from original sin. Frees them from original sin. It started in 370 AD. The word baptize means immerse. All the way under. It, it, confess, it, it confers, and I'm quoting them, saving grace. So when a baby's baptized, they're saved. That's what the church, the Roman Catholic Church teaches. Infant baptism. We'll say more about that in just a moment. Next, transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. Great big word, 1215 A.D. What's that mean? That is the next picture. I think it's the next one here. Let's show that. Well, this is just a picture at the Vatican. Notice, notice some of the carvings behind the Pope. Do you see way up at the top? Kind of strange looking, huh? Kind of look like a demon or a dragon or a dinosaur or something. Next picture. All these statues are in the Vatican. Zeus, false god. Apollo, 
Caesar, Artemis, Hercules, all those statues are there. We saw them when we were in the Vatican. Next picture. Anybody ever do that? You ever stand in line and someone put a round piece of bread in your mouth? They call it communion. We call it the Lord's Supper. It's kind of interesting. Do you know why you never got to drink the wine? Because they made a rule in the 1200s or 1400s. I got the date written down. We don't want people to spill the wine. So no longer are they allowed to drink the wine. They just get the bread. Yet the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said, when ye eat, when ye drink. So they changed the word of God. What is transubstantiation? Here's what it means. The moment the priest prays over that bread before he serves it, he worships the host. He says the bread becomes Christ. So he is worshiping a piece of bread. Not it symbolizes, it becomes Christ. So that bread becomes his body. They're now eating the body. The juice of the wine becomes his blood. They're now drinking his blood. That's called transubstantiation. And so someone could say, I've received Jesus Christ. Yeah, they've just swallowed him. And so that's what that's teaching. By the way, when Nancy Pelosi did not take a strong enough stand against abortion, she had a rival priest in the area that said, well, here's the deal. You're not going to have communion anymore. No communion, hellfire forever. Because it's part of salvation in their church. She said, I'll find another church. Uh, anyway, moving right along. So there it is. So, okay, we'll get to this picture in just a second. I'm kind of rambling now. It was 1415 they withheld the cup. Give you this one as well. They had several years ago, you can Google this. There was a Catholic church attender who had a, a daughter that, and I don't know the word, she had a high, high allergic uh, allergy to wheat. What the bread of the wafer is made out of wheat. So they said, our child cannot take communion. So our child's not going to go to heaven. What can we do? Can we make a special wafer out of corn or something like that? And the church said, the body of Christ is wheat. And that was the statement. So if you've got an allergy, down you go. Strange. See, false doctrine, it's got so many holes, it just gets weirder and stranger and stranger. Number next, uh, number 10, adore the bread of the host. They say it is Christ. Number 11, quickly, prayer to the saints. Prayer to the saints. Ephesians 1 says, and to the saints. So again, next time someone says, uh, so who are you? I'm a saint. No, you don't live that good. No, no, no. God says I'm a saint. The moment you receive Christ, you became a saint. I didn't say saint's fan, but saint. Someone said this is going to go through. You'll have to research it on your own. But someone told me that President Biden is now up for sainthood. You have to have one confirmed miracle to be a saint. 
And they said he raised millions of people from the dead that voted for him in the last election. A lot of dead people ended up voting for him. People who had been dead for years. So I don't know. So prayer to the saints. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, when ye pray, here's how you pray. Our Father. Jesus said, if you pray, you pray to, to God, not to some person. 1969, you ready? So when I grew up, everyone was Catholic but us. All the neighbors had uh, Mary statues in the yards. They had the little uh, uh, saints on the day, St. Christopher to protect them. 1969, St. Christopher ceased being a saint. They fired him. The Pope said after much investigation, we realized he never existed. <laughs> what do you do about all those millions of prayers that went to him all those years? You don't pray to... Uh, uh, in Deuteronomy, the Bible says we're not to pray to or for the dead. It's called necromancing, trying to contact the dead. If they passed away, leave it alone. Talk to the living Savior. I serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. Prayer to saints. Here's another one here. Quickly, number 12, purgatory. Purgatory. Scripture talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Luke 16, uh, the poor man died immediately. He's in Abraham's bosom being comforted. Uh, immediately, the rich man's in hell. There, there is no in-between that is not in Scripture. You say, well, well, how did purgatory ended up being made up? Here it is in your notes. Time there is shortened. If you were not good enough to earn heaven, you get stuck on second base. Runners left on the base. So now you have to have someone to get you home. And the guy batting you home, the RBI guy, is money. So if you were poor and you didn't make it to heaven, you got stuck in purgatory, you stayed there. But if you were a rich family or had a lot of rich friends, they had to give money to the priests or to the church. And that got you out of purgatory. Sounds like a God that has a respect of persons, huh? Kind of sounds like God loves the rich more than the poor. And here's my question to the priest. So do you notify the family when enough money's been given to get him out of purgatory, or do you let him keep giving? Many women, when their husbands died, they would say, I want my husband out of purgatory. I want him to go to heaven. How much is it? And they'd be told to mortgage their houses and give it all. That's how much it would be to get him out of purgatory. It's all about money. Number 13, quickly, papal infallibility. Infallibility, meaning the Pope is always right. He's always right. The Bible is inspired, and what the Pope says is inspired, they believe. And then we have in Galatians chapter number 2. I'll just look at it just quickly in verse number 11, I believe it is. Oh, here it is. Oh, it's talking about uh, Peter, the first Pope. Uh, they say he was the first pope. Paul said, I 
withstood him to the face because he was wrong. So Simon Peter, the first pope, was not infallible. Number 14, indulgences. What is indulgences? Money paid for favors and answered prayers. It's all about money. We call them indulgences. Acts chapter 8, you can look at it later. He says, uh, if I give you money, can you give me the power that whoever I lay hands on to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Simon Peter said, thy money perish with thee. Thou hast thought the gift of God can be purchased with money. Uh, money doesn't get anyone to heaven. That's a false doctrine. And then we see quickly here, idolatry. Idolatry. Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter 20. And the Bible talks about this. He says, we are not to make an idol, make a graven image, nor bow down to them or worship them. It's not wrong to have a flannel graph picture of someone as you're teaching Sunday school. But he's saying, if you're bowing down to it or worshiping it, then it's become an idol. God's always hated idol. Here's what's interesting. If you look in the Roman Catechism book, they have a list of the Ten Commandments. You know, it's easy to count ten. And when you come down to the thou shalt not make any idols or graven images or bow down, it is skipped. Well, how do they get ten commandments in? They take the last one that says thou shalt not covet, and they split it in two. So they pull one out, and then they added one. Here's what it says. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's the ninth command. Tenth command. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. So they got ten, but they booted one out. I am asked often, when we have visitors here, I'm asked, uh, excuse me, Pastor, uh, where's all the statues? Uh, anybody ever ask you that that's come here? Where's, where's like the statues? I mean, like where's the crucifixes? What do you mean? You know, Jesus on the cross, well, he's not on the cross anymore. Uh, he's ascended. But I mean, like, you know, the Virgin Mary. Oh, I, I'm sure she's up in heaven. She's doing great. But what about the saints? Man, we got lots of them. They usually sit in the pews. They don't like being hung on the walls. <laughs> they're just, and again, they're used to that. The idols. As some people come in and kiss them or cross themselves in front of those statues, that's, that's how they were raised. Number 16, quickly. Mary worship. Mary worship. There's a reference, you can look at it later, it talks about Ashtaroth. There's many names. Jeremiah, there's a reference in your notes. The mother of God, we hear that a lot. In Jeremiah, she was called the queen of heaven. Now what's that mean? In the book of Jeremiah, just the dates of the book, Jeremiah, is 600 before Christ. So Jesus was not born, and guess what was going on in Jeremiah's day? They were worshiping a mother and child. So there was already mother-child worship before Jesus ever got born. Satan knew there would be a virgin and a miraculous birth. He had it going on before it even happened. So just a few statues here. So we see here, and these are just so common around the world. Mother, child. Oh, but look who this. It's not Mary and Jesus. Samarius and Nimrod. 
Okay, so let's just kind of stop here for a moment. Nimrod, from the book of Genesis, said, mighty hunter before God. His wife enjoyed being worshipped like a god. So when Nimrod died, she had a child out of wedlock. And she told people, this is the virgin birth you've been waiting on. This is the Messiah. When he was born, she named him Tamuz. They have found what we call crosses in worship long before Jesus ever was born, long before the crucifixion ever took place. But you know what the crosses were? They weren't crosses. They were the letter T for Tamuz. Tamuz worship. She commanded the people, you'll now worship me, the mother of God and my son. That's when that became very, very popular. And so there it was. And then it wasn't long before that moved to Babylon, mystery, Babylon, mother, child. Here's some more just quickly. So we see Isis, Horus, mother, child. Ishtar, you've heard of her. There's Tamaz, different names and different uh, religions or uh, different places. But there's in Hindu in India, the worship, different pictures. But again, mother, child, there's Mary, Jesus. Is there another one or is that? Yep, here it is. And notice in many of the paintings and many of the sculptures, Mary is a lot larger and more important than Jesus. Look, he's just kind of down there. She's the central figure here. Next, is that, is that it? The coronation, look at this one. There's a painting, the coronation of the queen of heaven. So there's God the Father, God the Son on the left, in the top middle, the Holy Spirit. There she is. She is now getting the crown, the queen of heaven. That's not, that's not even biblical. Next, look at this one. I'll read it if you can't quite see it. This is one of the novena prayers in honor of our mother of perpetual help approved by the Catholic Church. Come to my aid, dearest mother, for I recommend myself to thee. In thy hands I place my eternal, wow, salvation. And to thee I entrust my soul. Count me among thy most devoted servants. Take me under thy protection and it is enough for me. For if thou protect me, dear mother, I fear nothing, not for my sins, because thou wilt obtain from me the pardon of them. Wow, she's the way to heaven, huh? Because thou wilt obtain from me, uh, uh, nor from the devils, because thou art more powerful than all held together. Not even from Jesus, my judge, because one prayer from thee, he will be appeased. That is false doctrine. It's interesting. When the thief on the cross got saved, you remember Mary was there at the cross? Who did he ask to save him? The mother or the son? Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He didn't ask the mother, he asked the son. Because the son was God, the mother was a good woman, but she was a sinner that needed to be saved. Matthew 1, she said, my, my, uh, he is my savior. Good woman, but not perfect. Do we have one more or we have something else coming? Okay, we'll get on that in just a second here. So we have Mary worship, thief on the cross, quickly. Number 17, give you these, perpetual virginity. So we are told that 
Mary, after she had Jesus, she remained a virgin and, and eventually ascended to heaven. She never died. That's not in the Bible. Matthew 13 said she had at least four sons, at least two daughters, at least six more kids. Just a natural marriage after Jesus. Number 18, blasphemy. Revelation, mother of harlots, mystery Babylon, name of blasphemy. What's that mean? Anytime someone takes one of God's names, it's considered blasphemy. So why did Jesus say this? Call no man. He's not talking about earthly. He says, call no man father. Why? We, our father's in heaven. That's why we don't look at some man in the church and say, father. Unless he's married to your mother. That's okay. Sometimes we'll have people who are used to being in the Catholic church. You know, they'll leave church, shake my hand. That's a good sermon, Father. That's a good sermon. Thank you, my son. Thank you. you know, anyway, so. The Pope is called this, Holy Father. Number next, quickly. Number 19, rosary beads. Whoever did the rosaries, confess now, my children. Okay. If you do the whole thing, all of them, it's 15 Our Fathers. 15 glory bees, get this, 150 Hail Marys. 10 times the Hail Marys as there are the Our Fathers. Interesting, huh? Quickly, Catholic Church, full of vices. A vice, a taught wickedness. Can you think of maybe a profession where they may have more alcoholism than any other profession? Roman Catholic priest. How come? Okay, we're having a mass. Okay, here, here's the, I'll drink to that. Okay, here, here, I'll drink to that. Drinking all day long. Every mass, drinking all day long. What else? Gambling. For years in the state of Louisiana, gambling was illegal. No casinos, no Indian casinos, no bingo. That was gambling. You're paying for a card, you're gambling, except in the Roman Catholic Church. You could play bingo for money in the Roman Catholic Church. It was acceptable. And then, show this here, Mardi Gras parades. Let's put the parade back up here. If you've never been to New Orleans or some of those places, Mardi Gras is not just a happy uh, St. Patrick's Day parade where people are throwing beads and candy. No, that's not it. There's a million people in about a 10 block radius where it is all week long. There's drunkenness. There's nudity. There's people every year, people pulled off the floats, killed. There's fights. There is the Bacchus parade. There is just, just on and on. Uh, uh, there's uh, to the God of alcohol, to the God of lust, the decadence pray. Just uh, what's the newest low? And guess where all that came from? It came from the Catholic Church. It's called Fat Tuesday. Because on Wednesday, Lent season starts and you got a month or so before Easter. So you got to give up something you really like so party it up on Tuesday. Do whatever you want to do because you got to behave. Starting on Wednesday. So the beats, the drunkenness, 
Mardi Gras. You don't go to the Mardi Gras. Man, I've always dreamed. And you don't go there. So where did it come from? Well, we can always confess and get our sins forgiven. That was it. Number 21, quickly. Paul, do we have any more slides or is that the last one? Okay, that's good. Okay, number 21, give you this quickly. Marriages are only recognized if they're performed in the Catholic Church. So if you did not get married in the Catholic Church and you're married, you're living in adultery. That's what they say. If you get married in the church, it's $500 to $1,000. If you're baptizing your child, there is a charge. There is a fee. And you must write and promise to rear your children, Roman Catholic, or you cannot be married in that church. Number 22, the Apocrypha. There's non-inspired books they include in their Bible. Number 23, let's finish on this, the Inquisition. What is the Inquisition? The persecution by the Roman church against Christianity. This is just history, folks. We're not picking on anybody. Error always persecutes truth. Evil attacks good. In 1252, it was approved by the Catholic Church. Torture and burning of heretics. Anyone they believed was undermining and not loyal to the Catholic Church, they had permission to burn them or to torture them. 68 million between 1100 and 1800, the years. Started with Rome, of course, the Colosseums, and then came all the way up to modern day. Many of the martyrs, well, here's a list here. You can just see some of the things they approved. The rack, dislocating joints, pinchers, tearing fingernails out. This is a church. Thumb screws dislocating the fingers. Spanish boot, crushing the legs and feet. Hanging, drowning, burning out, burning at the stake. Eyes gouged out, molten lead poured in the ears and mouth, pushed off cliffs onto spikes. All those people were killed. You say, why mostly? Mostly over, we're not going to baptize our baby. You can't take communion in our church. You hadn't been saved. Oh, you have a Bible. Grab him. Let's burn him at the stake. Let me just read you a couple of these. We're out of time. John Wycliffe died in 1384. He was the first to translate the Bible from Latin to English. He opposed the Catholic Church teachings. Years after death, they dug up his bones to burn them because they thought his views were heresy. John Huss. He helped pay the paved the way for the Reformation. He cried out against the sins of the church and clergy. He exalted the scriptures and was excommunicated. He called the Pope the Antichrist. He was imprisoned, labeled a heretic, and burned at the stake. Balthasar Hubmeier, born in Germany, 1522. He was converted out of the Catholic priesthood. He became an Anabaptist evangelist. He averaged 6,000 baptisms a year. He preached to great crowds before being burned at the stake. His wife was drowned eight days later for being critical of Rome. William Tyndale, a Bible translator. At the risk of his life, he smuggled thousands of Bibles into England. He was betrayed, arrested, strangled, 
and burned all these people for trying to get the word of God out. We could go on and on. I think we've been here for a while. 